Good morning, everybody. Uh, very nice to be back in church with you. Would you please thank the team for leading us in worship today? Now, I know that um, first we must comment on the rugby. I think that's only appropriate. Um, I know that the people who are in church this morning are people who are both uh, solid rugby people, but you couldn't sleep after that, so you're solid church attendance people also. So thank you very much for doing that. I uh, uh, tried last night. I thought, well, what I'll do, I want to be fresh for church, so I'll climb into bed, I'll get the laptop open, I'll watch with the lights dimmed, and then I'll just close the laptop and go to bed. But after about five minutes, I realized we are not easing into this experience. The light was on, the coffee was brewing, I was standing up rebuking the devil. <laughs> so that, we are not casually watching this game. So I put everything green on I could find in celebration. I, I also see though that there are some people with broken hearts and we must acknowledge them that are here in the house. Uh, they have worn black, which is the color of mourning, and I, I think, uh, but thank you for coming here. You came to the right place. Jesus is the one who resurrects, uh, who, who uh, brings life. Okay, so wonderful also to be back. I, before we start uh, on, on our topic of conversation this morning, I want to acknowledge our online church, everybody watching on YouTube, Facebook, listening on Kingfisher FM, forming part of our community outside of the building. Would you please welcome one another to church by a celebration? And then, and then uh, last, um, uh, uh, what's it, housekeeping thing to do, uh, which is an absolute pleasure to do, is just to, on my behalf, to commend our team for the month of October. The extraordinary preaching that happened over the last month with uh, Vince and uh, with uh, Mike, with the worship leading, with the leadership expressed throughout the week uh, in all kinds of programs, Alpha, there's marriage preparation. I think 15 couples in our church are doing marriage preparation at the moment. And I just want to uh, uh, acknowledge your guys' leadership and your servanthood and your excellence and you've carried well and you are an uh, awesome team. Would you please... For those of you who don't know, I was uh, I was in Cyprus for most of, of October, and uh, uh, it, gosh, uh, uh, the world is a little crazier than it was when I left. Um, uh, just as a matter of interest, the the airport in Cyprus is 500 kilometers from the airport in Tel Aviv, so. Th- things got interesting and things changed and some flights were changed and uh, the world is an interesting place and I think uh, it would be wrong, let me put it this way, it would be wrong not to acknowledge or recognize that uh, uh, it is also in a spiritually interesting place. Because these things are not just what we can see with our eyes. These things are also things we must see with the spiritual eye uh, to see the dynamic shifting everywhere in the world and to ask ourselves the question, what does the Lord have planned for us? Can you say amen to that? I I absolutely am confident uh, in that. So uh, I'm going to first share a word with you. And I 
I, I was cautious in how I would title this because I've titled my message from silence to a shout. And I thought, but if we lose, <laughs> if we lose the rugby, that's going to be an extremely, like, we're going to just have to stay in silence for longer. But then I thought, no, that's lack of faith. You get up there, you, you prepare, you, you preach with a shout. And if we didn't win today, I would have simply gotten up and said, we, we, we will next time. So, but I don't have to worry about that. There's somebody else's problem in some other pulpit. But today we can go from... <laughs> There's a whole section of the hemisphere that's preaching different today. I just want you to know, they preached different. I watched. Um, but I want to take you to a passage of Scripture uh, and then uh, two passages of Scripture, one Old Testament, one New, one New Testament, one Old Testament. Then I want to end with Heart for the House, um, uh, an invitation uh, to you um, to the next 10 years. Um, uh, in 2019, 2020 actually, uh, we celebrated 10 years as a church. We started our congregation. I finished ministering at the university, left a church there, started a congregation. In 20, 2009, 2010, that was the Soccer World Cup in our city at the time. And we celebrated 10 years and then locked down the next Sunday. The next Sunday was my birthday and lockdown and I shall forever be traumatised by those, by those two things. And then it's been a, a, a weird couple of years. And, and now uh, I, I believe it's time to set sail for the next 10 years and to shake off some things and to speak forth to some things and to set our sights on some things and to put our trust fully and lean unreservedly uh, on Jesus Christ. And so I'd, I'd like to talk a little about that. But I want to take you to a passage in the book of Acts. And then I'm going to take you to a super famous scripture in the Old Testament. You definitely know it, uh, the walls of Jericho. But Acts chapter 16, it says this. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, so Paul and some apostles are telling a story about something that happened. We were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. So she was a popular TikToker. And, and she was not a Christian. She had some kind of an evil spirit or a demonic something going on. And she was, a, she was predicting the future, but she was good at it. And in fact, I, I can't read the whole thing, but I'll read more now. But um, she even recognized Paul and said, oh, you're a man of God. You're on mission from God. So she was right, but doing it wrong. And um, this is what happens. She earned a great deal of money for, for her owners for fortune telling. And she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to salvation. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became annoyed. And isn't it nice to know that even big, big people in, in the Bible, eh, they got annoyed. Eh? They, like... That's, I mean, it comforts me on the occasion when I feel annoyed. Like I feel, because every now and then the annoyance, uh, uh, anointing does come on me. And, but Paul was like, okay, enough of this uh, influencer. Um, and so became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, not the person, said to the spirit, not the person, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. And when her owners realized that their hope for making money had gone. They seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. 
and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake. Foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flung open and everyone's chains were loosed. Verse 37 says, but Paul said to the officer, so, so um, uh, they didn't escape. They taught everyone Jesus and even baptized the family. It's a famous story in the Bible, right? And at the end of all of this, the the prison officials come to Paul and say, oh, you didn't run away last night. Thank you for not doing that. But here's what we'd like you do, to do. Uh, they said to Paul and his, uh, his, his companions, just leave the city quietly and we forget this whole thing ever happened. We just forget about it. We arrested you, sorry. We put you in prison, sorry. God definitely showed up and shook everybody. We, we woke up last night in an earthquake, Sorry. You didn't do anything wrong. I mean, I just sorry. But do me a favor, just leave quietly. Here's Paul's response. But Paul said to the officials, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we're Roman citizens, threw us into prison. And now, do you want to get rid of us quietly? Quietly. I want to talk to you about how there is a, an evil plot at play to keep you quiet. And to recognize that there is a suppression of truth in the world and a substitute with false truth making a loud noise. And how that it is an, an, a goal of the devil, I'm going to word it like that, to find ways to keep you a little quieter than you were perhaps before. And in a world in which things get louder, faith and truth must get louder also. In fact, it's now the common thing to say, I hear you, but just pop down. Keep it a little quieter. And I think the time has come to turn that around and to be loud enough in our faith and belief to even be a little offensive to falsehood, not to people, but to falsehood, to take a deception and offend it by presenting to it the truth. I think we're being tricked into believing be still and know that I am God means just be still. That's not the same thing. Paul, I fell into, I'm going to show you a little bit about it. I think we all fall into this trap. Paul said, wait, you made a public spectacle of us. You told the world publicly that we were criminals. You imprisoned us and took away our rights. And now this is awkward. So you want us to slip out of town quietly and not make a big deal about it. But we're not going to do that. We're going to go back into the public arena and finish telling the story the way it should have been told, which is that Jesus is Lord and you don't get the final say. And I think there's a mix of that spirit in the world at the moment, that if you tell the truth, you're hurting a feeling. Uh, if you, if you uh, offend somebody, it's the worst thing in the world. Let me just tell you straight out, offense may be the best thing in the world for some people. Somebody just needs to say, no, that's wrong. Could be, I mean, it might hurt feelings, but it, it could just be the perfect thing somebody needs. The spirit of silence is not always... Wise. There are moments when one should be silent. But then there are moments when one must trust God and speak out. 
In fact, Joshua, I told I'd take you to a famous scripture. Joshua chapter six is the story of the falling down of the walls of Jericho. And I just want to be really clear. We don't want to walk around anything and hope that it collapses. It's a story about something super biblical and super important. But I missed this one moment in it that I was reminded of preparing for this. Joshua chapter six, verse 10. But Joshua had commanded the army do not uh, 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 give a war cry. Do not raise your voice. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. And so he had the Ark of the Covenant carried around the city, circling at once. Then the army returned to camp, spent the night there. On the seventh day, they got up early uh, at, at daybreak, marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. And on the seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. First silence, then a shout. And I thought about that a great deal. Why would God, why? But I think silence is sometimes uh, your way of dealing with doubt. Silence is sometimes the way of dealing with doubt or dealing with discouragement or dealing with something. It's better to say nothing and just wait on the Lord. So here's what God says to the children of Israel. Just walk around the city, but don't talk. Because I think if you talk, you're going to say, look how big those walls are. Look how tough it is in the economy at the moment. Look how the Muslim influence is increasing in the world, and it really is. Look at this, look at that. Don't do that. Just march quietly. Look around. Put your trust in the Lord. Just march quietly. And at the appropriate time, when we've walked around the obstacle enough and stopped looking at it and stopped talking about it and started looking to God and started talking about God, then on the seventh day, give a shout of praise and the shout will overcome the silence. I think there's a significance and importance in that. Uh, you know, um, there are a few times in the Bible, I, um, there, there isn't uh, quite enough time. You know, the problem when you don't preach for a month is you've, you've got a month's worth of information. You sort of, let's just stay here until tonight. But um, there, there's a, there, there are a number of places in Scripture where God sovereignly caused someone to keep quiet and then God sovereignly caused them to speak out. You know, um, John the Baptist's father, John the Baptist's father was a priest. And uh, when he heard that his wife was pregnant to have a child, um, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and he was like, we're advanced in years. I don't think this is going to happen. And you know what God does? I'll show you. It's in the book of Luke. I'll show you just now. You know what God does? He couldn't speak. He said, you know what, Zachariah, I, I don't think you should talk because I think you're going to talk out. Just stop talking. In fact, I don't trust you to not talk. And he glued his tongue to the roof of his mouth, the Bible says. Now, for some of us, that would be trauma. If we couldn't talk. And you know how long he was like that? Nine months. Because the Bible says, yeah, that's how long. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he could eat. Uh, the, the, but if he tried to ask for the salt, like, too much talking. Too much talking. Do you know what happened? And in fact, they, they, they were about to register the name of the child and the officials at the temple said, what shall we call this child? And, and, and his, his mother said, uh, his mother said, John. And the official said, but there's no John in your family line. And they, they looked to him and they said, Dad, what do we call this child? And he, he asked for a tablet, which is so prophetic these days because... Uh, <laughs> 
He also wrote tablet and like tablets. But he also wrote tablet and he wrote on there, the child shall be called John. His tongue is loosed and the Bible says, and he began to give praise to God. And maybe the reason why God had to keep him quiet was because all he knew was what was already in his past. And what God had to start was something he didn't know before. He didn't know that name. It wasn't in his history. It wasn't in his past. He had to start at another place. So to quieten the voice of the past in order to open the mouth of the future from silence to a shout. And let me tell you, for me, it's been tough. I personally feel like God has for two years now said, just quieten down. I like post once a month on social media. Some of you are so worried about me. You're like, oh, I'm glad you posted you're alive, you know. I posted one picture from Cyprus just to prove that I was there. But apart from that, I'm just, I'm just waiting. Because I don't want to tell the stories of 2019 and 2018 and 2017. There's a pause in time. There's a silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. A period of history when God said nothing. But there would come a moment when there would be a shout of praise. Hosanna in the highest, born to us as a king this day. Sometimes you have to just stop repeating history and start trusting for destiny. And this is that time. We have to step out in faith in that way. Revelation 19 says, after this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hosanna, salvation and glory, power belong to our God. This necessity for God to start a new storyline. I um, had gone to buy some, I had gone to buy, what was I buying? I was buying, looking for boots. I'm in the market for a good Chelsea boot. I thought, well, maybe I'll find one, you know, in, in Cyprus. So I went to a couple of places. I don't remember where I was. I think it was in Eldo in the end. I mean, they changed the names, but the brands are all pretty much the same. They just, it's really easy for me to shop there because everybody on the island, I'm the tallest person on the island. <laughs> <laughs> the clothing is, you see this jacket? I didn't have to fix it at all. It is the correct length for an appropriate size human. You're coming with giraffe strategies. Now, clothing companies have to provide giraffe clothing and the rest of us have to make best friends with the seamstress. So, and I'm in there and I never buy something like that on the first go. And actually, I have a friend, I text them, uh, say, hey, what do you think about these shoes? I'm gonna interview that friend for True Story next week, Jess Gallant. And uh, he wasn't answering, he was busy cutting hair. He cuts my, he was busy cutting hair. <laughs> my mom saw his face on Instagram and she was like, oh, that scared me because he's tattooed from the top of his head down. I was like, don't worry, he's cool. And she was like, George, are you okay? I'm like, it's cool. And I put these shoes on and there were three, uh, four sales assistants and they were like, whoa. That shoe is made for you. <laughs> you know, pretty little assistants running around, oh, taking photos. So well trained. But as I said, I don't buy on the first go. I don't take my wallet with even. I just look and think about it and come back. I came back. I tried it on the weekend. I came back on the Monday. And I tried it again. I just felt like something was missing. Didn't look quite as good as Saturday. 
I walked around a bit. I tried, looked it in the mirror. I walked around a little bit more. I realized what was missing. The three pretty assistants. <laughs> the cheering was missing. Now the shoes seemed ordinary. Now, saints, oh, you're here from Cape Town. Now, saints, you know that when I do stuff like that, I'm coming for you, hey? You want to know what might be missing at church? The people cheering, shouting and celebrating that the ordinary rugged cross becomes the glory of Christ on the earth. Please stay online if you can't get to a church, but please get to a church. Get to church if you can, because the cheering is missing. They've made us quieter while they get louder. Just shh. Stay there in the back there. Don't make moves. Don't be too loud. Don't do anything unusual. And our shout has become a silence. And there is a need to break through that and step into a new era. You know, sometimes God has to confront our hearts. This change happens when our hearts are confronted. I started writing down notes. In what way have we been silenced? How are we doing on time? I keep saying that. 20 years from now, I'm still going to say that. I'm, still, I'm not going to get over it. I'm just, someone better than me will do it. Um, I'm tired of Christians retiring. You retire from a career, not a calling. Why are you just chilling when we should be available for changing the world? I'm frustrated by the idea that I only come to church if I've got something to do there. And I don't go to church if I'm not on. I don't think that's right. I think when I'm on, I'm on. And when I'm not on, I'm on. I think I go to cheer. Because it might not be my day on, but it's somebody's day on. And I've got to shout all the louder because the spirit of this world is getting very loud and very complicated. And stop shouting against it. When are you also, like Paul, going to of that fortune teller, get annoyed? We need a spirit of a brief season of annoyance to, uh, to rouse us to say, we shall not be quiet. I'm not slipping out. I know I've got three points to go um, and five minutes. When we first moved to this building, <clears throat> there was no budget for signage. If you know anything about signage, signage is expensive. You don't think so, but it's expensive. And we put up on the bulkhead of this building, Father's house using street sign vinyl. Let me tell you something about street sign vinyl. Don't try it. It'll take the plaster off your wall if you ever try to take it off. It's a tough stuff, that. It lasted eight years and eventually peeled off and we had to take it off so that the landlord could paint the bulkhead. And we never put anything back. And we started this conversation of the next 10 years. I'm chatting to a friend who's a part of the church and a kingdom investor. And I go, we're going to put back all the stuff that got taken off. And we're going to put back all the stuff that was in here. 
And we've got to build bigger and bolder. Talk about the next 10 years. And while I was overseas, and I cut my trip back by a week, I didn't know I'd created chaos for, for Vince and this person who insists on being anonymous, so I won't mention his name. They conspired and worked it out so that by the time I returned, what must surely be, I think at a guess, at least 60 to 80,000 rands signage was put up on the side of this building during the week that is lit so you can see it driving over the freeway and coming across into the city. I was supposed to stand here to tell you that in the next 10 years, that's one of the things we would like to do, but it's ticked off the list now. We were supposed to turn on the air conditioner today, but as I prophesied to the people concerned, they must sort out the electricity because that is a lot of power. And I said, guys, get the electricity sorted out or you're going to trip the whole yard. Anyway, yesterday they switched it on to test it and it tripped the yard because they didn't prepare electricity. But it doesn't matter. Jesus is Lord. And I just wanted to say I told you so from the pulpit. But that's also ticked on the list. The, the, the point I want to make is... Um, uh, we, we should not cut back to being less than what God initially called us to be. And we should be louder than our history and louder than our environment. And we should be bolder and stronger and put our trust in a season of courageous shouts of praise. My other fear and concern is that we'll implement everything everybody suggested, which will make us into exactly an ordinary church. And I like ordinary churches. I grew up in ordinary churches. But God also from time to time calls some churches to do extraordinary things. We are one of those churches. So we have to own that and step into it and go back, even if it comes with criticism. Like I got quiet because I got tired of criticism. Like there was a thing in the newspaper about like a, a, a crime that happened in the building and it wasn't really a crime. And then there was f fake father's house accounts. And then there was some person who accused me of sleeping with their wife. I, I, like, oh, did you not know about that? Oh no, the stories I could tell. And oh, no, that ended. That ended very tragically, which also bothered me. That person had mental health issues and ultimately took their life. And then there was, you know, the confusion about this Georgia and the other Georgia. And like, I just got tired of it all, so I got quiet for a little while. But to be honest, I really, I don't care anymore about other people's opinion on what the church should be. I care about what Jesus Christ says the church should be. And if Jesus was the kind of man that everybody in the world wanted him to be, he would not be eligible for crucifixion. He would be eligible for an invitation to dinner. A lovely guy to have around. But not one who divides humanity into those for him and those against him. And fathers and sons have to choose which way they shall go. He wouldn't be worthy of that. He would just be vanilla. Just a lovely palate cleanser between courses. I'm triggering you pretty close now. If I tip this over one way, we, I, I want to tell you three things I want to tell you about hot flowers and then I, I'm done. Watch your following distance. Don't allow the devil to make you 
follow from a further distance, from a disappointed distance, from a discouraged distance, from, from an unhealthy distance. Watch your following distances. Luke 19, 37, when he came near to the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in a loud voice. And for all the miracles that had been seen, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace on heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, replied, if, you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. What's your following distance? Don't let the spirit of the Pharisee tell you to, to do faith quietly, calmly, or timidly. Do it boldly. Do it courageously. Do it closely. Let somebody accuse you of going too far for your Christianity. Let somebody accuse you of going, taking it too far. Now don't, act, okay. Come tonight and I'll tell you how far. Secondly, fill in the blanks. That which is lacking, that which is missing, that which is inadequate, step into it. There is a time when Jesus was silent. I'm, I'm nearly done. I'm going to show you some photos. There's a time when Jesus was silent. It bothered me so much. There are people, Jesus, God makes quiet. You know, the prophet Ezekiel was made quiet for a period of time. Then when he was ready to speak, his tongue was loose. Uh, Zechariah was quiet for a season and Jesus was quiet on the day he was tried. Matthew 26, 63. <clears throat> Jesus remained silent and the high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. It bothered me that in that moment, Jesus wouldn't say, yes, I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. In fact, one translation says, one gospel says he just remained silent and would not speak. Another one says, he replied, if you say so. And I thought, this was your moment. This is the trial of the century. You should have said, I am the Messiah. And then I thought about it and thought about the rocks crying out if we don't. And I realized the people who have to answer the question whether Jesus is the Messiah is not Jesus. The people who must answer the question whether Jesus is the Messiah is his followers. You and I are supposed to answer that question. We're supposed to answer that question, not Jesus. He knows who he is. It was for man to decide, is our Messiah here? And I want to encourage you to step into that season. And then thirdly, finish what you started. Finish what you started. Finish well. Run the race well. Trip and fall, but get up and run again. In the book of Jonah, chapter two, it says this, but I, with the shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you, Lord. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. You know, one of the reasons we get quiet is guilt. We made promises and we haven't fulfilled them and that guilt weighs on us. All. And so we get a little quieter, we're a little less brave because there's something unfinished in our hearts and it judges us. Finish what you started. Clear the deck and put a shout of praise in your life. We must go from silent to a shout. There is a season that's appropriate to be silent, just to, to start afresh. 
But it mustn't be an eternal prison. It must just be a brief season and then a time to give shouts of praise again. The world is really loud at the moment. Gosh, it's loud with so many opinions. And the church is being dismissed and belittled. And yet the answer is Jesus Christ through the agency of the church because he's the head of the... You can't have the head and not have the... Like, you have the whole thing. It's time for us to get loud again. Can you say amen to that? I have, I have seven minutes, uh, five, and, uh, to introduce or remind you of Heart for the House. Heart for the House is special giving we do once a year as a church. If you're a guest here, please don't feel an obligation. You're already thinking, I can't believe it, they're going to take money again. Um, but it isn't like that. We, we have accounts and we run the ministry or work of the church through those accounts. And we receive offerings or tithes or giving for that every month. Some people have said, hey, can't we do the basket thing again and really physically do the offering? And I've debated that a lot and our staff have debated that a lot. And the only reason why we're not stepping into that is it's quite a massive security thing. I don't know if you know that, but we're like, you know, we're on the freeway, we've got an open parking lot, we're aware if one has cash on hand, what that means. Um, insurance does not insure cash on hand unless you count it. If you ever wondered why do churches like count it during like the service? Because it's uninsurable if it's an unknown amount. So there's that that has to happen. So in this season, I feel like we're doing okay encouraging. Uh, online giving, but we are going to need to increase honoring the giving through prayer in the service as a holy moment so that it's not seen as admin, but it is seen as a holy act. And I think we've got to figure that out and I'm open to conversation on that. But Heart for the House is not the things we are doing, but the things we're believing God we will do. It gives an opportunity, especially for business people, but anyone who, who used to come to us and say, hey, I've had a good financial year, I've got my results uh, and I want to buy the church something. Uh, or can I just drop off a projector or some chairs? And instead of doing it randomly, we thought we'd put a vision together and we would do it once. It also means the church leadership doesn't get up every week and say, hey guys, you know, we need AstroTurf for this or that. And every week there's something. It's just a picture for the future. And then we start a cycle beginning of November till the next end of October. And we raise some support uh, 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 through Heart for the House and we implement what we're dreaming. Can you say amen to that? And I know Ryan's given some feedback on some of the things we already do in the space of uh, reaching our city, but we are also doing things in the space of building our church and the work that God has called us to. Amen. So let's talk about the next 10 years. A couple of things I want to show you. Firstly, this was legitimately our first like, here's what we're going to trust God for. We're going to put our name back on the wall. But at this point, it already is. And I am deeply grateful for that. That's what it looks like in the day, but at night. You've got to drive past your church at night now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is amazing. You should be able to see it on the freeway coming both 
ways, I think. And I've had some photos and things from people on that. The second thing that um, we are engaged on is restoring some of the terraced seating, which will allow for a better experience and an opportunity for additional seating. We're working with our landlord on this because we don't own the building. And we can't use pallets again because the insurer said, no, it's a fire hazard. You can't. And we've tried everything. We've suggested soaking it in fire retardant or laying hands. But please don't email me. I promise you, it's a no. Okay, so I don't know why that's okay. Is that, are we just showing people things that were bigger before? I don't know what's going going on? Oh, the terrace seating. Okay, so we used to have it. We took it out. It's coming back. Uh, and the only effect, cost-effective way we think we can do it is using a brickwork, um, using a, a, a product that's quite well-known. If you do it really well, I think it's called TerraForce or uh, something like that. You guys want to stick that photo up for me um, as an example? We want to do something like that. The landlord is comfortable to give us the fill that goes into the steps and we would need to purchase this. We've tried steel, uh, retractable uh, pavilions, uh, chairs on wheels, chairs like hanging baskets. We've pretty much covered them all, but this is effectively, for a building we don't own, the most cost-effective and durable way of doing it. It has to be legally compliant with lights for steps and railings where railings are needed, and it would create a back section. Incidentally, what the landlord will do also is repave the parking lot with actual paving, uh, uh, removing the tar, is, is there still tar? What's left of it? And then repaving it. But the pallets in the corner have to go because they're also now worn out and not very safe. So we want to duplicate a bit of that outside and uh, provide a, an environment where we can have some outdoor events too and including some Christmas, some New Year, some baptism. We would like to build a baptism thing in the building because something seems to be lacking in going outside and doing it. So we're going to try and figure that out and do it in the building. Maybe have a little stage with some shade cloth shelter for it so that Vince and Matt and the guys can do, I had to get, insert one photo from Cyprus. I, I had to, that's outside macro. Um, uh, Vince and the guys are, are going to do that and then as part of that equation, we asked an architect to render what needs to be done and they put together a plan uh, for the, the, uh, the, the occupancy certificate thing we've got to do, and that plan looks a little like that. We're going to leave it up at the end of the service. That is 2,000 seats over there, and more than half of them would be terraced, because when you terrace it, you go a little bit closer and you get more done. Uh, and we kept it at 2,000, although this building can do more, because after 2,000, the municipal regulations on events kicks in. You have to have ambulances on site, a disaster management officer, a series of uh, a, a medical room, a lot of other things that happen after 2000. So that's like 1,999. Like if one person brings in a chair, we are a crime. Like we are, we are, we are there. But that back space is the back over there, which will have a little wall now. And we want an extended warehouse one red band coffee shop there. We don't think there's enough seating to hang out. That's that's lacking a bit, and we would like to do that. Uh, remember, we're talking ten years. That little square at the 
bottom corner actually is warehouse two out that door because we think we need space for youth. Youth can't share um, the coffee shop all the time. They need somewhere to do ministry and we are, that'll be the same size as, as warehouse one. It'll be warehouse two. It'll be just outside of the air conditioners that aren't powered yet and they'll be over there. We settled on 2,000 seats also because parking, bathrooms and kids' church classrooms also have to increase if you increase seats. Like it's, there is a ratio between those two and you can't just indefinitely increase the one and then not increase the other. You might think, hey man, that's a stretch. Let me just tell you, almost all of that we've done before. And then we were quiet and now it's time to be loud again. Can you say amen to that? I'd like to invite you to jump on board in the following way. The, some of the details are on this Heart for the House pamphlet. There's an envelope with a designated bank account. We've been running it for years for Heart for the House. Two opportunities. The one is you came prepared today and you've got 100,000 in your pocket. You don't know what to do with it. <laughs> Stick it in an envelope. Take a few envelopes. Borrow envelopes. Uh, get it in. You came with... 10 rand and you want to sow that as a seed. That is 100% what the Bible tells us is a, a, a God honoring uh, uh, because it's a hot condition, right? Please take a step. You might decide, hey, I'm going to do a year's debit order and, and uh, uh, sow separately into this. I want to see some of this take place. And then lastly, uh, Kingdom Investors is a group of people we want, we, we want to reignite. We've been doing it then three years of silence. We want to reignite where we want to gather once a year, share in advance before the rest of the church some of our ideas and ask for feedback opinion. There may be a builder who said, hey, I, you know, I can do that. I, I'll, I'll do that on the weekends and finish that. Or So, so we want to engage with some people to do that. And Kingdom Investors are typically the email we use, the category app of people who've, who sow a thousand rand a month or more into Heart for the House or 12,000 rand or more lump sum. And we get a list of about, I don't know, 50, 80 people who do that. And we invite you to a dinner and a conversation about plans and get input and advice and try to journey it together. I want to encourage you that um, I know these kinds of things can be deeply sensitive uh, and easily offensive, but let me just encourage you. Um, If you're a follower of Jesus, you, you don't mind talking about any area where you're not abused, but you're simply offered an opportunity to prayerfully step into something. If you're abused, if, if somebody says to you, look, if you do this, your business is gonna double next year. That's abuse. If, you, if you're in an environment where people say, if you don't do this, you know, then this, that's abuse. But if you put a faith season in front of something and you go, I'm setting my heart on that. So I'm, I'm gonna be a kingdom investor this year. I'm taking 12,000 rand out of the proceeds of my BNB. Easy, not even one month. And I'm putting it in there and I'm on the journey. I'm not offended by it. I'm not, it doesn't irritate me. Um, it is an opportunity. I'm grateful to God that something started up in my life that allows me to be able to do that. And I am quite excited to step into that season. Would you please stand with me as we pray? <sighs> Let's get loud. Isn't that a song? That's a song, isn't it? I'm not sure it's a biblical song, but 
We make it biblical. I know that you're tempted to be first in queue at the Seattle coffee or the Red Bank coffee, but let's do this prayer. This, I think this is a defining moment on a journey. You have a few defining moments on a journey. I think this is one of those. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the privilege of following you, not from afar, but to follow closely, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus by implication that I see where your foot goes and I copy you, I follow in your footsteps. Lord, we pray that you'll teach us to once again find our voice in a world where things are so loud, to be still and know that you are God in our private devotion, but to step out into the world and with confidence and boldness declare, this is the way, walk in it. That we should not be silenced by the spirit of this world, that an annoyance should come upon us enough to say, that's enough. And that we won't slip out quietly and just fade away as an irrelevant institution taking care of people who really think they need it, but instead to be the voice of our nation, to be the voice of the future, to be the solution to the question, to be the healing for the brokenhearted and the key to the prison doors. Would you please teach us to go from silence to a shout in Jesus' name. And everybody said, would you give God one more shout? Shout of praise.